Season four of the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast. I'm Pius Wong, and my co-host today is Rachel Ferrig. What interests us in engineering, in education, and in engineering education this coming year? Join us as we talk and figure that out. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Pius. How are you? I'm well. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. It's 2019. It is. I thought it would never get here. Why is that? I don't know. That's not true. <laughs> well, we we are in interesting times, I would say. Yes. Interesting times call for interesting plans. Yeah, and we have to make plans for this podcast. We're yeah. starting season four, which is... Four seasons. Incredible, yeah. Oh my gosh, How self high season five. four? Does that make any sense? Like, I thought I started this in 2016. 16, 17, 18, 18 19. That's four seasons. Yes. That's so ridiculous. Well, I think we were supposed to talk about what's to be expected or what we want to do yes, in our this coming plans, season. Your plans for what we can talk about, what we can bring to our listeners. One of the immediate episodes that I know we're going to do for this season mm-hmm. is that I uh, managed to speak with somebody who helped, who helped start up a company that teaches kids how to program in artificial intelligence, if that makes any sense. That seems hard. Yeah. I mean, we've heard about all these uh, different companies or people that might teach kids how to program just basic software. Lego robots. and Right, yeah. right. Block programming all the way down to text programming and Python mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Well, now we're going to advance up to artificial intelligence, which is something that even engineers in college that might not do. That blows my mind. Yeah. So we learned a little bit about that, and we'll, we'll hear about that. But I also want to tackle other topics. Cybersecurity. I know someone who does cybersecurity. Really? Yeah. She's a former student of mine. Uh, she actually just got married over the summer. I was invited to the wedding and wasn't able to go. But uh, I think that her job basically is hacking her own company to expose vulnerabilities, plan for um, how to prevent malware attacks or any you know any sort of like cyber attack. So basically, she gets paid to be the bad guy. For her own hacking. company, yeah. And she gets paid to do testing? Is that what it is? Or like just find these... I'm not really sure, which is why you need to have her All right. on the show. Give me the info. <laughs> I yeah. will. I will connect you guys for no, sure. That's cool. I actually am really interested in that because of the news that is circulating all around us today in 2019 and mm-hmm. previously because of hacking of our... Facebook accounts, for example, yep. hacking of our election systems, maybe yep. hacking of our government or military, you know, facilities. Yeah. I always worry about um, hacking infrastructure, like nuclear power plants. Is no, that what you mean? like or? the electrical grid. I mean, if they can get into Facebook and make us psychologically think things that aren't actually true, then I bet they can probably shut off our power. Wasn't it? The U.S. that sent some computer virus into, like, the power grid of some other country a little I while ago. I thought maybe. I it seems that. like NPR did a piece on that. Yeah. It's maybe good that we I'm should not loop NPR. that back yeah. in, too. This is not a news podcast right now. <laughs> no. It's just no. rumor and speculation. It's also not fake news. This is all well-informed. No, no. 
We're just talking about what do we want to discover? What do we want yeah. to learn more about this season? And yeah. I think that's fair game. I'm not saying that I know all about no, the hacking that has no. happened, but I would like to know. I would like to ask your former student, hey, what can we do as citizens mm -hmm. to learn more about to this? To be what more aware, to keep ourselves safe. What do you teach kids about that? Do kids oh, even yeah. have to know about this stuff? I would assume yes. I well, You would think so, but I, I doubt that that's written into the standards but I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's in some of the AP computer science classes. Actually, yeah. It's probably part of CS principles, AP CS principles, mm -hmm. which we talked about a little while ago. A little bit, but it's not a focus for yeah. sure. Actually, I've got a friend, too, who is completing her cybersecurity degree in Houston, and i got to ask her about stuff to, she's got lots of opinions Ooh, about that. They could both be on. Yes. That would be great. I would love to do that. Um, we talked about the news that is very important today. I think the big elephant in the room, in everyone's room, is, let's say, uh, American politics. Yes. And the administration that is around, both at the federal level, but also at state and local levels. Yeah. So here in Texas, uh, some of you may or may not know this. Our legislature only meets every other year for a hundred and how many days? I don't know. It's not very long. It starts in January, ends in May, yeah. and that's it. And they write and edit and adjust and plan all of the legislation that needs to occur in that time period. And then they all go back home to their respective districts. So we are currently in the 86th legislative session here in Texas. Uh, big on the agenda this year is school finance. Huge. I've been seeing it all over the news. I don't know about you, but like I'm not even necessarily looking for it every day. And I no, hear it it's pop just up. there. Because from what I understand, the state legislators here in Texas want to change how schools get their money, how public schools get their money. Mm -hmm. Legislators want to change it, but also taxpayers want to change right. it. We don't have state income tax here in Texas either. We have sales tax and we have property taxes. And that's primarily how schools get funded is through those local property taxes. Uh, but, um, and again, some of our uh, listeners around the nation may not know this, in Districts that are considered property rich, meaning there's a lot of revenue generated by those property taxes, some of those funds get sent back to the state and the state reallocates them to poorer districts. And that's called the Robin Hood law or the Robin Hood method of school funding. And it's pretty contentious um, on both sides, whether you're a donor district or a recipient district. And uh, the bottom line is school finance as a whole needs to be overhauled. And I think that's everyone the one thing on that, that everyone can yeah. agree on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so and when you think about, um, you know, science education and engineering education, how uh, schools choose those programs and what programs they choose can tie very closely to that school funding. So it's it's kind of an important topic not just, you know, for the fiscal um, importance of it, but also how does this actually impact the programs that can be offered in schools? Yeah, it's it's a huge question. And I'm one of those people where, especially when I was younger, any 
discussion of money and finance and budgets was like the so most boring, boring thing. It's like, oh my so God, boring. am I really going to be one of those people who talks about like, of finance course work? But we I am. are. No, I am. <laughs> and if anyone who's young is listening to this, I just have to tell you, yeah, when you get older, it's like, this is like harrowing. Yeah. This is, you know, those times when you sit in class and you're like, when am I ever going to use this? Well, if you ever pay it's taxes, now. you yeah, will. Because schools are underfunded in Texas. Teachers apparently are not getting paid enough. This is a discussion we've been having mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. quite a while. And a question for me as the non-expert, I'm not part of the administrative world of education sure. and you have the experience, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I, well, <laughs> well sure, I, right. I just want to know where is the money coming from and that ends up paying for, say, the computer software in this engineering class? Sure. And where, where did it come from? Um, how does it travel what does that funneling system even look like yeah Yeah. and and you just you just explained right now that uh what did you use the phrase you used the phrase money rich or something or like property rich property rich property property rich it's a phrase that i don't say a lot because that's why it's hard for me to say but a property rich district or area like for example austin texas Mm -hmm. our district that we're sitting in right now I mean, Austin, you may have heard or from around the country. Everybody knows this. There's a lot of companies and investment coming into Austin. Property values are rising, but it means that we pay more in taxes mm-hmm. compared to the rest of the state. But from what I understand, like you said, uh, the way the rules work, we lop off a segment of that that property tax and then distribute it to different parts of the state, mm-hmm. to parts of the state that might not have that much money. Right. And, and we were just talking to one of our friends who's from the Valley, which is the border with Mexico here in Texas. And there's a town, for example, there that isn't as rich as Austin. Mm-hmm. Very poor. Property poor, we'll say. Mm-hmm. And they're getting the money. In my mind, I'm like, so who's to say that they're less deserving than, say, the poor high school down the, the like, two miles away from me right here? Exactly. These are both poor schools. Exactly. So... What frustrates me, and I want to ask you this now, Rachel, we're going to find Uh-oh. out more. It's like, <laughs> if the deal, like, why are we arguing about how much to, or who to give our money, like, which poor, dis- which poor district or which poor school to sure. give it to? Like, shouldn't we be giving money to all these so-called uh, poor districts or schools that need money? And why don't we have that money? Or do we have that money? And is it just that? The people in charge of the money are not spending it right. These are all the questions. Those are lots of questions and there are lots of good questions. And I am not the expert and I do not have the answers. I have opinions, uh-huh. but not answers. But you're not allowed to <laughs> say it on air officially, I'm sure. But... <laughs> Probably. Um, but it, there's so much to examine there. Who could I talk to to help me draw this little diagram of where the money is flowing. You know, I think I would start with, if you were able to get a hold of anyone, um, someone at the state who works directly with the permanent school fund. Permanent school fund. What what is that? That's the technical term for the lump of money, the bucket of funds uh, that funds all of the public schools in the state of Texas. It's that's sort of the bank account name, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so the permanent f- school fund was established uh, by the state legislature. I forget what year, but I, I believe it was in the 1800s. 
um, and its sole purpose, the, the only acceptable use for those funds is to fund public schools. It is only to be allocated to public schools in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the revenue that comes from districts and property, you know, uh, communities and through property taxes and so on gets deposited into that permanent school fund. Now, what happens after that? That's all magic and math. Who, so, who, who oversees this bank account, this permanent school fund? So, board? you know what? I'm actually not sure, but I, I do know that um, portions of it are managed through the State Board of Education and the okay. Texas Education Agency. It's a joint um, kind of so thing. So I'm, I'm certain that there is someone that you would be able to reach out to who could answer questions. Now, the State Board of Education, otherwise abbreviated as SBOE. SBO, see it all the time in newspapers. <laughs> They are people who are not necessarily educators, though, right? Like Correct. They okay. don't need to be educators. They can be business people or community members, just like your local board of regents or your local board of education. Someone who's board either appointed or elected? Uh, I believe they are elected. Okay. And so they're making these decisions of who gets the money. I don't know. Maybe. The SBOE actually has anything to do with allocations. Hmm. Interesting. But they oversee this account somehow. Uh, I think they're (laughs) tied into it somehow. So on the other side of things, if we go down to the granular level, like I know that from my, from our experience, when we were, when we were working at the university of Texas, Mm -hmm. working with different STEM programs, the people who decide how to spend money on their kids or, or whether or not to spend money on a program, Mm -hmm. It varies, yeah. but it's oftentimes the principal, right? Um, or... It depends. It, it okay, really so the, is yeah. a district level. A district, okay. Yeah. So the funds, superintendent. Yep, the superintendent and his cabinet uh, determine how money is spent and who might have a say-so, who gets to sit at that you know, kind of spending table. Um, hmm. Some smaller districts... Uh, a campus leader would probably have more input because there are just fewer people in that, you know, cabinet level decision making body. They might have the ear of the superintendent. Exactly. So or a superintendent maybe um, might only have or might primarily have secondary experience and might be more willing to allow the elementary principal to make those sorts of decisions with greater autonomy because they're the expert. They know more about elementary programs and, and software and materials and books and so on. Do superintendents have any say in how much money they get? Can they argue for, say, more money? Or it's pretty much just codified somewhere? I think it's pretty much like codified. Like a formula. Mm-hmm. And, but a superintendent can also um, seek grants and additional funding opportunities through oh, right. partnerships with colleges or um, other educational entities. And that's what I'm interested in, too. Because, like, I know that there is that formula of, like, for public schools, depending on if you get... 100 kids, then for everybody, you'll get a certain amount of money. Mm -hmm. But then some schools might be more active in getting that partnership from Mm -hmm. the University of Texas or the community college down the street or IBM over there. And and that's part of that whole diagram or flowchart in my head of where (laughs) money's coming from. Yeah. And and I would love to see, well, love is the wrong word, but I'd be very fascinated Mm -hmm. to see what that diagram looks like because I'm sure that there's a bigger, fatter arrow for some schools and others. And if we talk about engineering education, 
there's probably a certain balance of money going more towards those STEM programs rather than arts programs or yes. athletics or whatever it is. Right. It makes me think of those energy diagrams in biology where oh, like yeah. in the food chain you see where... Yeah, the food webs. The food webs, yeah. 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 You're, the, the shark at the top or whatever is eating all these other things. Mm-hmm. There's the flow of money somewhere in this and it's hard for me to visualize and I want to know... Good. I will What's say happening? good luck with that. Okay. Because it's, it's going to change anyway. It's going to change. <laughs> it, with the yes, that's it's it's one of the if it's not the top priority of our legislature, uh, it certainly is one of the top priorities. Um, they want to get rid of Robin Hood, right? There are people who want to eliminate that system. There are people for whom it's vital and it's really important. Um, but again, everyone really just agrees that something needs to be done differently because what is happening clearly is not working. What can be done? If we agree that we aren't, we just don't have enough money right now. Like one thing you did mention, or maybe I didn't, you didn't mention it, but I was thinking of it was maybe in the districts themselves, they could figure out how to spend that money better or allocate that Mm -hmm. money better. But then there's also the question of how do we just make that pot bigger? Um, by getting an income tax or something sure. else. Like, what are the different ways? And some ways? people would even argue that we don't necessarily need to make the pot of money bigger. Maybe there really is enough money. We don't know. And yeah, it's such a mystery. Yeah, and there are so many moving parts with over 1,200 districts in the state of Texas and each one of them making their own fiscal decisions independently of the other districts. Mm-hmm. That's that's a lot to try to um, standardize. Yeah, and we're only talking about public education right now. Sure, at the K twelve level. Yeah. How do private schools and charter schools factor in? Do they? Well, so if it's a public charter, then it's funded very similarly to okay. any other public school. Private schools charge tuition, and they are not. Um, required to adhere to certain funding decisions the same way. So that's a whole nother world. Right. And vouchers and that kind of thing that was talk a while ago. I Mm -hmm. think that's... It's kind of taking a backseat right now. Let's fix the bigger system. Right, right. All right. Well, that's a thing that I hope to learn about somehow in the next year. But we'll see. That will be an interesting investigation. Are you on Patreon? You know, patreon.com, that site where you can support creators and artists with a couple bucks every month if you like their stuff. Well, donations on Patreon make this podcast possible. So enormous shout outs once again to the donors to this show. I'm really grateful. I produce the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast in my indie studio, Pios Labs. And if you want to help me continue it, please pledge your support at patreon.com slash Labs. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash p-i-o-s-l-a-b-s. Thanks. Now, back to the conversation. See, this is the thing. I was wondering, actually, for this season, do I focus on any fundamental 
engineering education topics. Like, yeah, we're talking about these hot topics mm. of today, like finance reform and politics and AI and security and maybe like self-driving cars again or things like that. But there's also the bedrock of like design principles, mm-hmm. mathematics. Creativity. Creativity, we yeah. Haven't re- we haven't visited that one in a while. We should <laughs> what, bring some of that back. What would that entail? Oh, I don't know. Like, we've talked about how to apply the thinking that you might do in improv to design. Sure. Um, which is creative, I think. But, like, what? What? Yeah, how can we yes-and this creativity theme? Let's see. Engineers require creativity to either generate or improve their ideas. This is true. This is true. Maybe we, we can we talk about those methods. We know some engineers. This is true, too. <laughs> Maybe we ask them to kind of lead us through their thought process. Like what makes them creative? Yeah, or how do what they find do their you creativity? do either... For, as inspiration, where do you get your inspiration? Or even if you're very methodical, what do you do to build um, your own creative I abilities? It. I like that. We're, we're brainstorming Let's, about we are. getting ideas. This is a verbal brainstorm. No, but that's cool because one of my favorite things to sometimes listen to are like uh, my favorite artists to listen to their creative process. Yeah whether they're musicians or writers or something, and people don't often ask the engineers. They, you... they ask Elon Musk. I listened to oh. that podcast about it, but he, eh, eh. we can talk about him. Well, and he... Um, he's been uh, somewhat repentant. He's kind of a hot topic. He's a hot and topic, And I would right. like to hear from other people. The everyday, like, hardworking engineer yes. down the road, like, at the civil engineering plant yes. or the software engineer, like, Text working dot. for the nonprofit. Somebody knows somebody who works at TechStot. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta find more of those folks. Do you remember that show, Inside the Actor's Studio? I never watched it, but I know what you're talking about. This would be like a miniature Inside <laughs> the Actor's Studio. Do I have to be very for pandering engineers? As well? No. You are the best engineer No, you engineer don't have to have your three by five note cards. Okay. But it would be funny to yeah. give them that survey at the end. Which favorite word? Which least favorite word? Which favorite sound? Oh, that's cool. Which favorite swear like word? 20 all questions that. Whatever. With, uh, it's, Google engineer. I, we or... can look that up, and we can end each one that's of them cool. with that. That would be fun, right? That's a great idea. I want to do that with teachers too. It's funny that you would say that for engineers, Ooh. but I want to do it for teachers because I don't necessarily know because teachers are creative too. Like yeah. I, I hear when I do talk to teachers, especially off the record and not with a microphone <laughs> in front of them, teachers will tell me so much stuff. Oh yeah. And, and they uh, all have stories. Yeah, and it's creative thinking in terms of not necessarily building something, but in terms of building a classroom or mm-hmm. an environment or a lesson mm-hmm. or uh, an atmosphere. Or just solving a communication problem with a parent or something like that. Absolutely. And I want to hear more of these stories if anyone was willing to hmm. go on the record. Because, well, here's the thing. There's FERPA. And there's things sure. like we can't talk about individual No, students, but we but... can share methods and we can share um, stories. That's what and, I want. Yeah. Anecdotes. Observations. It's, what's it called? Professional learning communities? Yes. The PLC. That's the yes. edge PLC. That I yeah. Aww. I, wanna, I do want to have an episode Way to go with that. that content area vocab. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I have that engineering word of the day podcast. I love but, that. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. There should be like a teacher word of the day or something. Well, we might. Acronym of the day. Oh, acronym of the day. That would be spectacular 
who else should I talk to? Let's see, I, I, in the past, I, let, I'm i going to bridge off of past ideas. Okay. Some of the highest, like most esteemed or most popular shows or conversations that I've had based mm-hmm. on the numbers and my feedback have been from professors, which is funny, I think, because they aren't necessarily in K-12 education no. and they're not necessarily practicing engineers either. They're the bridge. Yeah, exactly. That's the, the link between... Right. The industry and K-12 education. Really? We could have sort of a a talk off, if you will, between a K-12 engineering teacher and a, a college engineering professor about what are really the priorities for learning in their hmm. classrooms. Hmm. Um, what are the most important fundamentals that their students need to come away with and have them try to come together convergence, if you will, on what are the most important things that need to come out of K-12 engineering education to be successful in post-secondary engineering education. It sounds like the conversations that would be happening behind closed doors when a state is coming up with learning goals. Kind of, of kind of, but have like live in person. Right, right. That would be neat. Yeah. And to hear them kind of, um, to hear that give and take or that, I can see that they might butt heads and then also fundamentally dis- or fundamentally agree on certain things. I would love to see that, that push-pull. Right. Hmm. I think people who work with younger people in the K-12 level, they these teachers might have to think much more. About the um, emotional mm-hmm. growth of, of a person sure. rather than just their the mathematics. The whole child their... rather than the skills. Right. Which is all... Uh, it just goes back to this giant education problem because a teacher is not the one thing that's in charge of the emotional growth of somebody. Sure. You know... Um, there are only so many things that you can control or affect yeah. within those four walls of your school building... And during the time that you have those students, other things are completely out of your hands. Yeah. Which is, it just goes to show why if we're going to be focusing on how to improve engineering education, we do definitely have to talk to teachers, but also look a little bit outside that scope at the students, at the system itself Mm -hmm. and what is working or not working. I wonder too, if there are industry professionals who are actively seeking um, opportunities or um, pathways to not not just mentor students. I think that that gets a lot of attention, but it also sometimes to me seems kind of superficial. Are there industry professionals who work with their company to actually change K-12 engineering education? Are they working with state agencies to revamp standards? Are they working with um, even uh, more different state agencies to discuss these budgetary concerns, to create strategic priorities? So that's an open call <laughs> if so anybody knows anybody. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, no, we, can, we, can look in, we can yeah. look into that as well, too. But yeah, yeah. that would be interesting to hear from an industry professional on how... How are they 
attempting to reshape or bring to prominence K-12 engineering education. I'm sure they're out there, especially like in Austin itself, we hear about different tech companies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could name drop a few, like the Mozilla Foundation nearby. They're really big, I think, on uh, doing stuff for education at the K-12 level and, sure. and beyond. But what I don't know is how much of it is just giving people money. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that good enough? Yeah. Like, I mean, you hear about Bill Gates with a huge education initiative, but it's essentially giving money to other experts, mm-hmm. which seems fair. Should they be doing more? Should they be uh, making or requiring or, or, or incentivizing their employees to go out into these schools? and Or and even or, beyond that, are they working with individuals and schools? Or are they working to really change entire systems? The system level? Yeah. Okay, you really are? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They'd have to be in those discussions with the legislators and the boards of education. and Sure. And I don't know how <laughs> present they are. Would I even have access to that? I'm I, just know. Some guy. I have no idea. I'm just some guy. <laughs> Somebody, you know, six like, degrees of separation. Somebody we Musk know has to know somebody. You know, I know a guy who knows a guy. Yes. <laughs> I will say that as much as Elon Musk may get a bad rap, I think rightly so for some in some ways, he has a grand plan engineering wise to do different things. Like he mm-hmm. has a grand plan to prevent global warming. All through, like, you know, designing this battery and selling cars and making it cheaper and doing mm-hmm. all these things. And and so that's his thing. That's great. Is there an engineer or a technical person who has some grand plan to improve education? Yeah. Or is it more like, oh, we'll just give money to these other folks? Yeah. And... and Maybe they don't. I don't know. But if someone does have that plan, what is it? What are you doing to to achieve that or to get closer? I would really love to hear that story. If someone has that story, I want to hear it. Well, (laughs) I guess I have a lot to do. Thank you for giving me some homework. Thank you for inviting me and letting me share some of my ideas. Thank you for supporting me on uh, this, this experiment, which has lasted a little while. Yeah. Hopefully we can keep it going even longer. We'll have to start thinking about the fifth year. So much to do. <laughs> you are really the teacher, aren't you? <laughs> nope, it's like I have to write a report student, about this stuff and document do everything. All the work. I know, but as long as you don't have to grade it. No, I will not be grading it. All right. That was education consultant and former teacher Rachel Farig joining myself, Pius Wong, on the show today. Let us know what's on your mind when it comes to engineering education for young people. Send us a tweet or an email, and I hope to follow up soon. Thank you to the supporters of the show on Patreon, too. Your donations, of course, make this show possible. You can find a link to how to support the show on Patreon or how to tweet us or email us by visiting the podcast website. And to find that, just go to k12engineering.net. The K-12 Engineering Education Podcast is a production of my independent studio, Pios Labs, in Austin, Texas, where I support all sorts of engineering and education projects like this one. Thank you for listening. And of course, tune in next time. Tune in next time.